cliffcentral.com Future CEOs on cliffcentral.com Welcome back to Future CEOs. A lovely conversation with an up-and-comer, I think, Madam J's Classic Closet, eh? Mm-hmm. It was a nice conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, we're moving, let's move swiftly into... Some disruption! Uh, disruption, but also a very uh, a seemingly unique story uh, because I think a lot of people, when they're young, would like to claim that they are a CEO or say that they can be a CEO. Um, but how many 23-year-old CEOs of a multinational organization do you actually know? And one. We, well, yeah, and we got, him, we got him in here, in, here in studio. Luby, uh, you, you always do such good research, and you say such oh good things. Oh my gosh! Introduce. I'm hailing from Estonia, and I just found out where that was. Future CEOs, but don't blame me. But I think he is the evolution of disruption. Please give a warm welcome to Marcus Filach. I hope I pronounced it correctly. It's it's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> you, you pronounce it for us, please. Marcus Willig. Wow, okay, that's a little bit yeah. different. <laughs> uh, one more time, just for the for our tongues. Mark? Marcus Willig. Marcus, Marcus. Okay. Welcome to Future CEOs. Well, they are best. Thanks for having me. Uh, so you're, you are, you're, you're young. It's unusual. Mm. When you introduce yourself as a CEO of a multinational, uh, what kind of looks do you, do you get? Depends on the person, I guess. Okay. Uh, I think most of them are quite surprised. Okay. And, uh, I mean, look, you're a tall guy, you're striking, so it's not like you're a diminutive little, little person who's, who looks like a child. Um, but how do you deal with some of the perceptions around age and the fact that um, it's sometimes reserved for – a CEO office is reserved for the older men with the gray hair? Uh, I, th- I see it's really changing over the years. Uh, even three years ago when I started, most people were, were basically like looking at something weird. But I think uh, the world has changed a lot in the last three years. Your, your answers are very short. Very, and to the point. Okay, <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is yeah. how the interview is going to go. Okay, we've got to keep each other on our toes. Tell us how it all began. Where did the embryonic kind of development and insight of, okay, I want to change the experience of drivers and passengers when it comes to transportation all over the world? Uh, yeah, so started in Estonia three and a half years ago. Uh, I was just 19, finishing high school. And I saw the issue was that the, the taxi market was just horrible. Uh, I mean, you basically couldn't even get the ride on the weekend. Uh, you had to wait for 30 minutes, call a ton of different companies. And since I had an IT background myself, I figured that definitely with technology, you can make this experience much better. Um, and initially, I thought they'll just focus on the consumer side. Uh, but what we realized over the last few years was that actually the drivers are the ones who are actually even more hungry to get something better. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. So it's clearly kind of also a development, a, a, a great space for drivers to make money and to be uh, entrepreneurs themselves. Yeah, uh, I, I see that our, our marketplace has two sides. So on the one hand, we want to offer the best prices and, and quality for the passengers and safety. And on the other side, we want to create thousands and thousands of jobs or basically these economic opportunities. Um, and what we see, especially in South Africa, is that most of the drivers now are starting to do their own small companies. So initially they start with us, they make money driving their own car, and then over time they actually rent a few others and they actually set up their own small company, and then it grows over time. There is maybe, and we, we chat a little bit off air about this, uh, some people may look at you and say, you're an Uber copycat. Do, uh, do you get that a lot? Is it something you care about? Uh, what are your thoughts? 
Uh, I think that every industry has a has a ton of different players. I mean, if we look at social networks, for example, there's also a variety of them, and everybody does something a bit differently. So I see the same in the ride hailing in the ride hailing sector. Um, so yeah, what we focus on is really having the best experience for the for the driver side, and this just helps us recruit the best drivers. Um, and if we have the best drivers, that means it's great quality for the passengers. So what we see other competitors are doing is that they pay the drivers very little, but that also means the customer experience usually suffers. Mm. No, no, it's a very very good point. Um, I do also want to, uh, I feel like I want to go there now and and not dwell on the business so much, but we'll come back to the business. Let's talk about you and your journey. So not everyone can take on entrepreneurship the way that it seems like you have. Where did that confidence come from? Who are you? Tell us a little bit more. Um, Sure. So I'm coming from a small city in, in Eastern Europe, Tallinn. I mean, it has half a million population, so it's not that big. Uh, I think that it was really a big influence for me that uh, that Skype was was founded and the biggest development office was in Tallinn. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was just around 10 years old and suddenly Skype became this massive thing and then hired hundreds of employees in Tallinn and, and went on to become you know multi-billion dollar success. And I think all the young people in Estonia at that time were like, wow, well, you can actually make uh, from Estonia a big national company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that was the idea I was growing up with. Um, so I was looking for different ideas. I tried a lot of different projects over the years. Uh, and then when I was 19, I got the idea of Taxify and that's when it really took off. Taxify is a good brand. Where did that come from? Um, I think it was basically like usual. It was some part luck, some point, uh, you know, basically just just accident. Uh, so yeah, basically, I mean, at that time, Spotify, I don't know if you know yeah. the music streaming yeah. service. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was doing music on demand and making yeah. it nice. And I figured that we could be basically Spotify for, for taxis. So we make taxis very easy to use and convenient. What I did hear you say is that you tried a lot of things over the years. Taxify is what you're busy with now. So do, can I can I infer? Can I assume then that there's been a bit of failure in your journey? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I when I was around, I think 16, I started with the first projects. Uh, so one of the first things I did was a online education app uh, that basically students could check their grades and their homework from their mobile app, and then basically make it integrated with schools. But I just over time realized that the, the project was was like like a nice social project, but there wasn't really anything bigger like as a business behind it because mm-hmm. it just took so long to get all the schools on board. Mm-hmm. So I figured if I want to have a bigger impact on the world, it should be a good business as well. That's, I love that actually. That's very. We could use that kind of uh, uh, information and kind of uh, insight into what we're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, why are you looking at me like? <laughs> because you're looking at me that way. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, so Taxify obviously international businesses. What have been the differences you find of your business operating in Africa versus the rest of the world? I think the biggest surprise for me has been that it actually hasn't been that different. So we started in Eastern Europe and then being honest, for the first few years, we focused uh, just in Europe. We thought we're just going to do this. And then, uh, how, sorry, how many countries are you in? So let, let brag a little bit, and we're okay with that. Yeah, so today we are more than a million customers in, in sixteen countries and mm-hmm. growing fast. So by end of the year, we expect to already have many, many millions of customers. Mm, no, fantastic! And how big is the operation here? So uh, in, in South Africa, our team is around twenty people. Uh, for example, in Joburg, we already have more than two thousand drivers, which I think is a fairly good result. That's great. Yeah, as we've you know operated here for less than a year. That's great. So so yeah, the market has been like very happy to see us here. So I'm sorry. I think I interrupted the 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 point of how have you found it here. Were, were there, maybe I can add to that question. Were there concerns initially that they would it would be a little bit backward or it's the dark continent? Uh, what were your concerns initially, and why did you or how did you qualify the decision to still come here? 
Sure. Um, so initially, we, we thought that uh, you know the, the taxi market in Europe is, is quite established, and that's the easiest for us to operate in. And we thought that uh, we didn't really think about anything about Africa. We had really no idea. Um, and then uh, suddenly, actually, we had a, some mutual contact who was who had uh, some office in South Africa and said, "Yeah, we'd really need your service." So we started to look into it. And then we realized that actually uh, that the market here is is not very developed, and that's actually a good thing for us. So we can mm. you know build it from scratch and then do it better than it is in Europe. Mm. Uh, so, and yeah, basically over the first few months we just hired people, and we saw immediately some some great success from both passenger and driver side. So we decided to go all in. The uh, so I mean, we we chatted a little bit about uh, often people say you must scratch your own itch when it comes to building the business. I I I hear you. You took the opportunity, but uh, I want to just go into. You said the the industry at home was not quite where it should be. So was it just about hailing a taxi, or is there more to your service than just this idea of hailing a taxi? I think it's about the entire experience. Uh, I mean, the hailing usually takes you 15 seconds, but you're going to be spending 15, 20 minutes in the car. So, yeah. so actually that part is much more important, and that's what we focus on. Mm. So so it's not only about getting the car to you at the right time, but the car also needs to be nice. The driver needs to be well-educated on, on how to treat customers. The price needs to be right. So, so most of our time doesn't go into this hailing part, but it goes into maintaining a good quality level. Mm. Uh, I hear you. In your business, and we like asking some future CEOs, to be successful, does it take skills or connections or a bit of both? And tell us your examples of each. Sure. Uh, I think it just comes down to two things. It's, it's motivation and intelligence. Uh, and then I think intelligence, you can just change by reading a lot and talking with smart people. But I think motivation, you just need to have intrinsically. Like you need to you know, find a cause that you really believe in. And then, I mean, me, myself, I was starting when I was 19, had basically no connections whatsoever. So, so I would consider that's actually mm. the least important part. So I'm, I, can I challenge you a little bit on what you just said? Sure. Uh, the, the idea of finding a cause that you believe in, often that is, all, it's just a social thing. Um, it's this idea of social entrepreneurship. And uh, so how have you believed in Taxify? Um, I think personally for me and everybody on the team, uh, like you, you don't show up for work just to get the, just to get paid. Like most of us do it because we really believe we're actually doing something useful. Um, so, I mean, on one hand, we're ch changing it for millions of people that they can actually commute more easily. They can get home on a Friday evening. They don't, you know, need to walk home or take some suspicious taxi. Mm. So, so I mean, we're already seeing we're or creating or avoid drinking and driving. Yeah, exactly. So we're already creating a lot of value on the passenger side. But what I think that is motivating the team even more lately is that we're seeing that we're creating so many jobs uh, for new drivers who previously just didn't have any opportunities to do. And now they can actually earn and, you know, make well for their family. I like the idea that motivation can change. So often, too often, people get into a business for one reason and they stay in a business for another reason. And this idea of an evolving motivation is, is quite a nice thing to be able to, uh, to pick up on in, 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 in your team. I think it's a very, very important thing to do. Where do you see yourself? Where do you want Taxify to be in a couple of years' time? Five, ten, twelve years' time? Well, Taxify so far only operated for three years, so it's quite tough to see, you know, where we'll be in three. I, I didn't, ex you know, expect uh, to to be sitting here three I years know, ago. Oh, I know. Uh, but uh, I think the, the market is amazingly big. I mean, there's millions and millions of trips uh, people are doing every day. Uh, today they do it, for example, with their personal cars. And then our bigger belief is that we can shift a bigger chunk of these people to actually take Taxify on a daily basis. So most people would not need to be even having a personal car if they live in the city center. Or if your family has two cars, maybe you can just, you know, 
live with one and the other family members use Taxify. Yeah, look, offer me a good deal and I'll, I'll take Taxify hey. all the time. Uh, we both. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. Uh, and, uh, on this point, uh, who was it? It was one of the, the co-CEOs of the Creative Council, not Gil, who's, of course, always in the spotlight, but run. Uh, run. And he said that he had used Uber a few times uh, and he was able to do all of his email on his way to the office. And then he was actually able to work when he was at work. And so I, I think we're, that's certainly where we can come in from that. That's a nice way to, to, to sell it. What are ways that you're selling this out in the market? How do you do this? Is it just a convenience thing? Um, I think the, the main thing is actually just illustrating it well for people. I think most people just haven't even thought about it. Uh, like if you're spending 30 minutes in the morning commuting to work, sure. like how much do you value your 30 minutes? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you're wasting it behind the wheel and you can't do anything useful. Like, for example, like if, if you, I don't know, you evaluate 50 rand, or you evaluate 100 rand. Exactly, yeah. Like, I mean, there's a level at which you see that, okay, it makes more sense for me to sit in the back seat and, and relax rather than be behind the wheel. Is, uh, is that how you value your time? Yeah, basically, just after every day, I think it's a bit different. I mean, if I'm feeling super motivated, then I value that time a bit more than maybe a day when it's a bit uh, bit bad weather or, or a very great weather and I want to go outside. Sure. I, I guess what I'm what I'm getting at is, are you a Taxify user? Or do you use it every day to get to work? Uh, I think we, we have a funny company set up that most of the people actually don't even have a driver's license, me included. Interesting, wow. So, so yeah, I don't really have any alternatives to using Taxify. That's the right thing to say on air, <laughs> if you don't have a, a driver's license. So, you're here in South Africa. What are you doing here? And tell us a typical day of being a CEO. Uh, well, in South Africa, I'm here to make sure that Taxify delivers on what we have been doing the last 10 months. We're seeing... First ama- time, first time. Yeah, first time here. So I'm just making sure that the team delivers. Uh, we continue to have really great experience for customers, great uh, you know service for drivers. Uh, so that just means meeting everybody on the team, making sure they're all happy, hiring more people to the team. That's what I'm here for. Um, and yeah, that's actually what I do on a typical day as well. I just travel to the other city where we are operating and just make sure everything is working smoothly. How do you do that though? So, I mean, these are complex environments with people that are complex as well. Uh, we often ask the question, what are your three pillars of CEO leadership? So how do you do this? To, how do you uh, interrogate this idea of, inv- of delivery? Uh, well, I think it comes down to a few few things. Uh, first of all, you obviously need to hire like very great people. I, I think can really replace that. Uh, I mean, temporarily you can hire people who are not super motivated, but then you just have to do most of the work yourself. Mm. So, so we put a lot of effort into hiring, and that's something I'm involved in on, on a weekly basis. Have you made the mistake? Sure, many, many mistakes. I mean, I think originally we hired people who just weren't a fit, great fit for the role or for the company. And uh, I mean, it's always hard to replace people, but I think it's a better thing in the long term. Mm. So that was number one. You said hire great people. Yeah. Uh, secondly, I think it's just giving them, you know, very, very clear targets on, on what the company, where the company wants to do. Uh, so, so they don't have any, any kind of confusion of, you know, what they should be doing. And they don't wake up in the morning thinking like, I don't know whether my work is going to be having an impact. How do you prevent people from feeling like robots, though? In that kind of scenario, um, I think that they need to just. It comes down to this motivational thing that they really need to believe in what they do. Uh, I mean, if if they know that you know our job here is is to make sure drivers earn good money and passengers have great rides, then I mean that's it's a pre- pretty clear thing, and then the team knows what they need to be doing to get there. So, so I think this clarity is really the most important thing. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that, you know, I will be giving, you know, the order that you need to do it. Uh, oftentimes it comes from bottom up. So the, you know, the team itself says that, hey, I think this is the best thing to do. 
So, so I think that that's really the important thing, this clarity part. So we got clarity. We have high-grade people, a third one. I think further it, it comes down to, to freedom. Um, so, so basically, and trust. Meaning that once mm. you have great people and they know what to do, then you shouldn't be micromanaging them. So oftentimes, especially if you're like a young CEO, you try to get super involved in every detail and whatever, you know, change the copywriting people do and a lot of different details. So you just have to force yourself to actually trust the people. You know, sometimes they will do mistakes, but they will learn. And it's better than, you know, getting in and getting it right, but you make the person demotivated. I don't know if, if we've asked or if you've answered, what is the toughest part about being a young CEO, Marcus? Uh, I think that, you know, every, every, every company has their pros and cons if, if you're managing it. Uh, I think, you know, being young, I, I think, doesn't have that much of an impact on it. I think it's the classical things. You need to keep your people happy. You need to make sure that the, that the customers are happy. I think it's the same in every company. Tell us about a lowest, absolute lowest point. And you have to tell us a story now. So it's not just an answer, it's a story. Tell us the story of your lowest moment in the taxified journey. Uh, I think that the toughest part we were in was that um, uh, we actually started, first of all, I mean, I think it was actually really the really the, the really start of, of Taxify in Thailand. When I was just alone, um, I had my brother who was an advisor, but, but you know, he was working at our company, couldn't help me too much. So most of the heavy lifting was on me, myself. Um, so I didn't really have a product, so I had to build most of the product my, myself and then do the designs and do the coding. And at the same time, I actually had to build the business side of it. So I had to get on the street, recruit the drivers, get them motivated, get them trained. And I also de had to deal with the passenger side, meaning I had to figure out how to do marketing and how to get people in. And I think just this like first month of, of doing like everything just alone and, and you don't really know whether it's going to work out, whether it's not going to work out. You're working like 20 hour days. Mm. Yeah. I think that was really the, the craziest part. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but, that, you know, over time, if you're doing a good product, it's going to work out. So you just have to, you know, have confidence. I guess what's so good mm. about being able to do everything yourself is that you get a taste for everything. And so you can then, if you've got a bit of a flavor for it, um, then you can pull someone in and you can get them to cook to that flavor. Uh, how, how did it, um, your, your first employee, who was that? And how did that come about? How did you choose who the, the employee was? What, what function they were going to they were going to um, yeah, so, so so over time I realized that uh, that I need to hire either somebody on the technical side or somebody on the business side first of all, and and mm -hmm. I figured the technical side is the one that I wasn't uh, the strongest in, so uh, I started to look for a great developer, um, and actually it's it's a funny story. He now later turned out to to be like full time shareholder and and uh, and really the leader of our technical department. Uh, so so how I actually vetted whether he's a good guy was I met him, told him about the idea. I had like no idea how to validate whether you're a good developer or not. Mm. We, we just, you know, we went apart for a few days. Um, and then he came back and said, you know, let's have a second meeting. I'm very interested to get on board. And then he shows up with two phones. On one phone, he shows that, hey, I built from scratch the driver application uh, on, on iPhone. Oh, wow. And then here is the client application. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> he had, you know, built the prototype in three days. You're so, hired, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I don't have any money, but you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, uh, but how did you do that? Because that's a really good question. So often people, they, are, they, they want to bring in the best people, but they don't have money. How, how did you overcome that challenge? Um, Cliff Central. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a, good, it's, a, it's a very, very good point. 
Uh, I mean, as a starting company, you typically don't have any money. So the only thing you have is, is basically a, a good story and, and company equity. So okay. what we just did was that we, you know, I told him where, where do we see the companies going and convinced him that the company stock is actually worth anything. And then we just agreed that instead of pay, he's going to be getting a chunk of the company. And then I think now three years later, he, he's pretty happy with the decision. Now we know what to say to Gareth Cliff. Um, so what books do you recommend um, a, a, a ambitious and motivated CEO should read? Um, ben Horowitz uh, has a great book. Uh, yeah, basically hard things. Uh, hard things. Yeah. Get that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's I think a pretty classical one. Um, other than that, I think uh, maybe how to how to make friends and influence people. Yeah. I think Dale it's Dale Carnegie. Uh, love yeah. that. Love that. Love yeah. that. Well, I think these two basically. I would say start with that and then get and do those well and then take the, the next ones. Guys, I think you've been like going at such a fast pace rates. I mean, do you ordinarily deal with life like this? You're like more energetic than I am. I've never been like gone through an interview in like 20 minutes. No, it's true. It's very true. Yeah. Okay. Love your love your energy. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll do one or two more questions, and then <laughs> then we'll get you back get you back into a taxi on the way to do some taxi fire business. Um, let's just. Uh, you know what's so interesting about your age is that we usually ask the question, "What would you say to the twenty year old you?" But you're pretty much there. So, but let's go back to when you were first beginning uh, this journey. What would you say to a younger you, or what do you say to a young individual who's out there who uh, may envy you envy your position but don't quite see the full picture what do you say to them um, I think two main things is that uh, you really need to find something that you're passionate about uh, if you're not interested in the business you, you know temporarily you can force yourself to put in some effort but over time the company will take years and years to get big and if you just don't believe in what you're doing, then sooner or later you're going to get lazy and the company's just going to fail. Mm. So uh, I think don't don't start unless you're like quite confident that you like what you're going to get into. It sounds like staying power and patience. Those two, the combination of those two, right? Yeah. And you said there was something else? Uh, and secondly, I think uh, it comes down to this hiring. So initially I was thinking that, you know, in my head, I was like so super enthusiastic about the idea and I thought every person I interview feels the same. And over time, I just realized that actually it isn't like that. So, you know, some people really like what, what this industry and some people don't. So just over time, that was the hardest part to, to actually get the best people and then be more critical on who you take uh, to the team. And I like that. That's a very, very good lesson. Should be a final th thought or question? Age is truly nothing but a number. True. Yeah, it absolutely is. Mark, Marcus, I'm yeah. saying it better. Is yes. that is that better? That's better. Okay, <laughs> Marcus, thank you for joining us here, and thank you for sharing with our future CEOs community. We so appreciate it. You're yeah. awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, we'll be back same time, same place next week, live here on Cliff Central. Luby, it was good to be with you, and we'll see you next week. Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com. CliffCentral.com.